Hi, friends. This is Mercedes from The Noshery. And this is Rebecca from Foodie with Family. And welcome to another episode of My Plate is Always Full, where we're always hungry to talk about food. Yes. And okay, I, I would like to present a hypothetical situation to you right off the bat. Uh... On a platter, or like, how big is this presentation? <laughs> it's it's not that big. Okay, so let's just say you're getting pounded by a major snowstorm, kind of like I am today, and I know you're not, so don't brag. Or there's some other major weather event, or your entire family comes down with COVID, and you have to isolate for two weeks. Yeah, you kind of had that, didn't you? Weren't you guys like on lockdown? Yeah, yeah, all of us like had it. Weeks? All of us had it and couldn't go anywhere for two weeks. So yes, true story. But between our freezer and our pantry, we were in pretty decent shape. Which brings us to the uh, reason we are here today, because we're going to share our strategies for keeping a pantry stocked so that you can eat well no matter What's happening without having, you know, to make a run to the store? Because you can't. You're snowed in. You <laughs> or COVID. Yeah, you're snowed in know. with COVID. I mean, it could be worse, right? <laughs> We're also going to share some tips and tricks for keeping certain items fresh. And that includes some tips on how to store them. And to be clear, we're not talking about doomsday prepper level food storage. We're just talking about making sure you have enough food on hand to ride out a weather pattern or COVID diagnosis in culinary style. But if prepping is your thing, you can just increase the amounts of whatever we talk about. Um, no judgment here. You do you. And let's do this thing. We'll get into what to buy specifically in a few minutes, but first, I think it's really important to address what I see as the key to success here. Uh, I think we already had this discussion previously, the key to my success to make it through a situation such as the ones we have presented is to have a very large box of snack size bags of baked Cheetos in my pantry. <laughs> Well, yeah, actually, kind of. I know you're being a dork, but in a way, you're completely spot on right I now. I am offended. <laughs> the key to success, I think, is to know and acknowledge what you eat regularly and make a list and shop from that. I'm all about making lists. I am a list queen. I know you are. I, just, I really, I need my baked Cheetos. I'm just saying. Well, you've got list. Here's here's a fun here's your fun Mercedes fact for this episode. She has lists for everything and sublists on those lists, and she uses all sorts of apps for lists. This lady is organized, people. She is. I give the illusion of organization. Let's be honest, because like I have so many random notes in my Evernote, and <laughs> I'll look back on them, and I have no idea what that note is about like <laughs> it's more times than I'd like to admit well that would actually be entertaining but, but hey you know I made the list I made the note it's there I don't know why but it's there but seriously it doesn't do you any good to go out and randomly buy a bunch of stuff to just you know 
throw up on your shelf and not eat or forget about it, you know? Right. That's wasteful of both money and resources. And we're both far too frugal to be happy with that situation. So I think knowing yourself is part of the key to this. No matter how great your intentions are, if you have never been that person who wakes up in the morning and sprinkles ground flaxseed over your yogurt, you're unlikely to want to make that shift. So what we're saying is make a list of your favorite meals and snacks and the foods that you cook regularly. Just because you are preparing for an unexpected situation, you don't need to start buying random things that you're not interested in or that your family isn't going to eat or enjoy. Because even when we'll get into this later, but you're still going to end up eating these things, yes. even if nothing happens. Right. So that's that's basically, that's a little spoiler <laughs> alert on our intentions here, which is to get you to think about this in a way that is um, sustainable because it's food that you're going to consume no matter what. And you're just kind of working it into a backup plan. So do you got a little tip for us or anything like that? Oh, I got a tip for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My name is Rebecca Tip Lindemood. No, it isn't. Anyway, (laughs) when when you're constructing this list, it's helpful to divide it up into certain categories. And we'll provide an outline for this list in the show notes so you can fill it in with the items that you would need to have on hand because it's going to be a little different for everybody. But in general, I think if you divide it between breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and drinks or beverages, you're going to be in good shape. And I think that when you're putting this list together, you should just kind of brainstorm through it and put down the things that first come to mind that you would normally make during the week. And be sure to include a handful of stupid easy meals that you can make, even (laughs) if all you can do is microwave it or cook it over a camp stove on the porch. That makes me think of that time that I went out of town for a little while. (laughs) I do. And and Ovid sent me that picture of what he bought. I didn't, I went out of town for a little while. I didn't have time to like prep meals or do groceries. There was like nothing in the house. It was just, you know, and he sends me a picture of what he went to the grocery store for. And I swear. Wait, I need to interrupt because I want to tell from my perspective, because Miss Sadie and our friend Mary and I were in a hotel room at a work event. And Miss Sadie started, she actually threw her phone down on the bed and said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then she showed us the list of what her husband had purchased to eat while we were gone. He's, this is a grown man, (laughs) grown adult. And I swear he sent me, it looked like the pantry of an 18 year old college student. It was like (laughs) ravioli, ramen, Oreos. I think there was Vienna sausage in there. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there were at least three or four cans of something Chef Boyardee related. Macaroni and cheese, just like all of the... Really easy, bad for you basics. And I'm like, this is what he would survive on if something ever happened to me. (laughs) Right. So not that we're judging. I mean, if this makes it onto your stupid easy list, that's absolutely fine. But oh, in a dire situation, it is absolutely on my list. You bet. If we're going out, we're going out with Chef Boyardee, right? (laughs) But the point is, you don't need to have 14 separate options for every single meal category. It, You know, we 
we're humans. We rotate through some meals more than once every week, right? Yeah. I mean, the average cook will tend to have about seven to 12 regular recipes that they make uh, for their family. And I know for me, I mainly eat the same thing for breakfast every day or for um, at least for a couple of months until I'm sick of it because uh, <laughs> I get, you know, burnt out on it and then I move on. Right. So we all kind of have a general idea of of what those really basic things are. Yeah. And the the point of us focusing on these in our list is, again, so that you're actually using the items you purchase, that you keep just a little bit of extra on hand in case of emergency. And I find it helpful to make a star on my list because I'm a homeschooling mother and I do that kind of thing. So I put a star. Do you use gold sticker stars? <laughs> no, I draw them very carefully with a fine point pen. But you put that next to your go-to meal and any meal you would have regularly. So for instance, let's say your family has spaghetti every single week. Make sure you just have a couple weeks worth of the spaghetti noodles and whatever sauce you like or whatever ingredients you put on it on hand. It's it's pretty simple. Um, I mean, we do pretty much the same thing, just on a much smaller scale because it's only two of us. Um, <laughs> right. But without further ado, uh, here is a list of what we think you should keep on hand in order to make just about anything. Yeah. And keep in mind that your list may differ from ours based on what your go-to meals and snacks are. But these are just, to us, these are basics. These are basic, basic ingredients. Easy to find, inexpensive, and most importantly, shelf-stable. Is that you the bet. term? Shelf-stable? That's okay. exactly the term. So speaking of shelf-stable, we're going to split our lists into a couple categories. We're going to have the pantry list, which is shelf-stable ingredients. And then we're going to have the freezer list because... Most people have at least, you know, a few inches of freezer space available to them. And there are a couple of things that would really round out your pantry preparedness without taking up too much space. So let's start with the pantry list. What what would you say is your primary pantry item that you would recommend having to everyone? Most definitely for us, beans is one of the best things that you can have. You can do it dry or canned. Um, I like to actually keep both because depending on the situation, um, you know, if you're dealing with having where like your situation with your family, like it's only two weeks. Right. Um, and you're locked in. Well, then I'd probably go and grab the can first. But if it was like a really serious situation, the dry uh, beans are a great backup because they, I mean- yeah. No, they seem to last like forever. They you know do. I, mean? I think I think um, the shelf life is indefinite on those as long as they're yeah. in a cool dry place. So, I am like A number 1, the magical fruit bee. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also good for your heart. Yes, and yes. we we keep a lot of beans on hand too. We keep a variety of them. So we do black beans, pinto beans, pink beans, cannellini beans, and I also keep canned and dried. I think usually I have more canned on hand than I do dried just because I know I'm going to go through them more quickly. But the dried ones are my backup. And speaking of canned items, canned tomatoes in a variety of forms. Oh, heck yeah. And I always tell Obit when we go, like when we've done our shopping and stuff like that, I actually categorize 
the tomatoes. Um, <laughs> Dude, talk because, to me about that. Well, because one type of tomato, like you can't unsauce tomato sauce. Correct. But you can buy whole tomatoes and make it into sauce. That is true. So that's why I kind of categorize them in, you know, versatility. Yeah. So a whole tomato would be first because a whole tomato can become diced and it can become pureed and it becomes sauce and then down the list. So worst case scenario, and also if, if expense is maybe your concern or space, I would say get your whole tomatoes first for yeah. that reason. Yep. Because you can use whole tomatoes and make sauce, but you can't turn sauce into diced tomatoes. Right. There's there's no way no way you can reverse that process when once it has happened. But yeah, it doesn't go backwards. So whole tomatoes are the most versatile. I will say though, because I'm I'm fortunate enough to have a fairly large basement that I can use for for food storage and for other things. I've got a fair amount of space, so I keep a variety of types of canned tomatoes. And I really, I can't say enough how handy it is to have a whole bunch of little cans of tomato paste. That's something that I put in so many different everything recipes yeah. that to me, if you had to just pick two, I'd go with the whole tomatoes and the tomato paste. Absolutely. Because that's the other thing. Tomato paste, because it's concentrated, can be turned into a sauce. Yes. You know, um, and it's it's more concentrated, so it takes up um, less space. It just goes, it takes up less space, but it goes further. So I would definitely say that my first two, I agree with you, would be whole tomato and uh, tomato paste. And actually, when we lived in the RV and we kept a bin in the space underneath, um, in the in the, what we called the basement, <laughs> um, and we had we had a bin in there with some key items and. I always kept whole tomatoes and tomato paste versus diced tomatoes or tomato sauce because you can't, like I said, you can't undo it. <laughs> right. And if, you know, if space is a concern, it's better to keep sort of, you know, the tomato equivalent of a primal cut, right? So the whole tomatoes and the tomato paste versus something like jarred pasta sauce. However, since we're talking about, you know, what your family will eat, Think about what your family wants to eat. If there's one type of pasta sauce that you guys all eat every week, lay up a couple of jars of that. It's it's what works best for your family and for your situation and your storage. So kind of go through the thought process of, okay, well, we like this. Do I need to have this specific thing on hand? If the answer is yes, put it on the list. Absolutely. I mean, I keep pasta sauce. I mean, if I, in the beginning, if I just want to like, throw together some spaghetti, I'm going to grab the pasta sauce. It saves myself some steps. And when you're dealing with a stressful or weird situation, you don't want to have to like do extra steps. You just want to eat, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of things that go with tomatoes. Yes, Miss Sadie? Um, pasta. Our favorite carb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My favorite carb is probably rice, but we'll get to that in a moment. But yes, Actually, yeah, when I said that, I was like, well, I don't know if that's completely true. But let's just say for this particular moment and situation. Yeah. Okay, so pasta is definitely in my top five favorite carbs. But yes, pasta is so easy to have on hand. And just all you have to do is pick up a few boxes of whatever your favorite shape or type of pasta is. 
And it's best to store these either on your pantry shelf, away from light and temperature fluctuations, or in an airtight container in the basement, because they are usually packaged in cardboard, which can absorb moisture, and that can get gross. Yeah, it can absorb bugs too. Yeah, neither of which you really want touching your pasta. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than opening a box of pasta that you think is ready and good to go. And there was like a weeble in there. Those horrible little things. Yes. Yeah. So pasta, that's, that's a, that's a no brainer. And for me, I like to choose three shapes of pasta, but this is just me. But (laughs) let me me explain why. I I can't wait to hear this one. Well, I like a tube pasta because tube pastas, of course, hold sauce. Right. But then I like a long noodle pasta because I do. (laughs) But I also like to keep like, which the tube pasta, like if you're doing a macaroni, it serves also as a good soup pasta. So thinking about a pasta that can fit on a spoon. So, you know, a smaller size macaroni or an orochetti are two great um, pasta shapes. So that way you can use it not just in a pasta dish, but you can also use it in soup. That's actually a really and great chili tip. And anything like that. Yeah. I like to I like to have those different shapes specifically for that reason. My favorite like tube shape is penne. Okay. But if you're, you know, that's me. If you love macaroni, macaroni is a great one because macaroni is also a great soup pasta. Right. And, elbow um, elbow macaroni makes great salads and it makes great soups and it, it holds on to the sauce, like you said. Exactly. So those would be, if I were to be like, you have to choose two shapes, I would say a linguine because I'm fancy and, <laughs> a, <laughs> and a macaroni. Um, actually, if it were really, I would want a bucatini and a macaroni, but you know, let's, yeah. let's be practical. It's, this is a serious situation. You don't need a bucatini, Mercedes. A linguine will do. <laughs> you might not need a bucatini, but I may have ordered a case of it at the beginning of quarantine. All I can say so, is it'll last a while because I love bucatini and my husband does not. That's one of my favorites. All right. We touched on this a second ago, but I think it's important to point out Mercedes' favorite carb in reality and my favorite carb are the same favorite carb, and that is rice. <laughs> yes. I love me some rice. There's so, so many I. rice dishes out there in the world. I just love rice. Yeah, you know, I don't think I'll ever get to try every rice dish on the face of the earth, but I'm really giving it my best try. <laughs> and the great thing about rice is it is so inexpensive and so shelf stable. Yes. It's like the beans. It is. It is. And if you have beans and rice, you are set. You are <laughs> beans, rice, tomato sauce. I'm set. Yeah. Throw some chickens in the backyard and it's good. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to go anywhere as long as you've got that on the shelf. But seriously, rice in most of its forms is actually one of the best food storage items to have. And if, like both of us, you eat it regularly, it's going to be very easy for you to rotate through your stock of rice. I love rice because not only, I mean, obviously you just eat white rice, but rice is great in soups. You can use it to make uh, casseroles. You can use it, um, you repurpose old, you know, not old rice, but cold rice or day old rice, you know, in stir fries. It's really a great versatile ingredient. 
Um, you can make all kinds of Mod Podge type dishes of leftovers and you throw it on rice and you're good to go. Exactly. And it's it's also very budget friendly. So whether you choose basmati or jasmine or brown rice or sushi rice or medium grain rice, whatever flicks your bick in the rice category, just have some of that on hand. <laughs> flicks your bick. Oh my gosh, sometimes you say some things that crack me up. I I don't Okay, I suppose that's maybe a little weird, but I don't know. I grew up hearing it. So <laughs> I've never heard it before. I know you're talking about the lighter, but yeah. I just never heard it that far. Okay. So well, it's sort I of like you say whatever tickles your pickle, but that sounds a little That's a little that's know? a little bit. Wait a second. Flicks your bick is way gentler than tickles your pickle. <laughs> Oh, yeehaw. So let's move on Anyways. from that. Pickles are also a good pantry item. <laughs> <laughs> they are. But let's talk really quick about, we probably should have said this maybe pretty, well, we're still at the top. But for me, having salt yes. is so important. Yes. Salt is pivotal for a nutritional standpoint because, you know, believe it or not, if you are dehydrated, one of the things that you need to have is some salt intake. Yes. It's, of course, an amplifier of flavor. It makes everything taste better. It's a great tool to cure things if you need to, you know, if you enjoy doing that sort of thing. And of course, it's something that you can use any time. You're, it's part of your regular life. So it's not, you can stock it up, you can stay there forever, you can rotate through it, and you have no worries about whether or not you're going to end up using it. And for me, that's right. it's kosher salt, for sure. Yes. And for me specifically, it's Morton's kosher salt. So recently I've been using- That's my brand. brand. Ah, what? Yes, I know. It's kind of traitorous. Scandal. However, I think I kind of like it better. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about this when the mics are off. I need to, I need the intel on this, but okay. So we're a house divided on the brand of kosher salt. Who knew? It, I a am changed. So <laughs> I am steadfastly devoted to Morton's kosher salt. And I would just say as an aside, if you use any recipe from my blog, you know, it's been developed using Morton's kosher salt, unless I say otherwise. And I can't actually remember a time I've ever said otherwise. <laughs> and then of course, so yeah, we're going to, let's talk we're about, we're going to have to have this conversation yeah, later. <laughs> the next thing I think is great to talk about, which is uh, kind of a staple thing that we can, there's a, a group of ingredients that we can put together. Yes. Which are kind of what I would call the baking department or the baking pantry. Yes. Um, so first of all, you need flour. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> you need flour. And just go with AP flour. I mean, unless you're some kind of super baker or whatever. Um, and even in that situation, AP flour is fine. Yeah. All-purpose flour is the workhorse of the kitchen. You use it both for baking um, and for savory cooking. So you might use it to dredge a pork chop through. You might use it to thicken a pan sauce, um, to make a roux. The, it's it's one of the most basic pantry ingredients you want to keep on hand. So just if you only have one kind of flour, make it a good all-purpose flour. And if you're buying a large amount of flour that you're going to be storing for an extended period of time, don't keep it in the bag. 
go ahead, take it out of the bag and put it in a, in a the, the cabrio. Cabrio? Is that right? Cambro. 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 What is a cabrio? Yep. Cabrio is something. I, <laughs> is that a car? I don't know. Cambro or any kind of food grade <laughs> uh, airtight container is the yes. best place to keep your flour because that paper can be gnawed into by little creatures. Weebles can get into your flour through the paper bag. Um, moisture can be can get through the paper bag. So if you're going to be storing it for a long period of time, keep it in a cool, dry place in a food-grade, airtight container. And likewise, it leads me to another item that I think should belong in the pantry that you're going to store similarly if you decide to stock up on it, and that's oats. Yes. Well, really, so any of these a lot of, times, of grains, it's a good thing to do that. Yeah. Oats generally come in a cardboard container, and don't let that little plastic lid at the top fool you. That's that's still not airtight. Yeah, those little... So if you're not going to use it up quickly, store it the same way Mercedes just described for the flour. Because a little bugger will get in. Trust me. When, it will. When we first moved into this house, we had some little buggers. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't so little, I no. think. Right? And they were getting into my stuff. I was... Mm, it was not cool. Bunch of jerks. Not so cool. <laughs> in our baking category... You should also probably have a box of baking soda and a canister of baking powder. Yes. And my favorite, yeast. I mean, now, that's what makes this things one, fluffy. This one goes on, right, that and baking soda and baking powder, depending on what we're making. But yeast kind of belongs on both the pantry and the freezer list because it sits in the pantry until you open it. And then it gets put into a jar or another smaller airtight container, like a Tupperware container, and stashed in the fridge or freezer once you've opened the package. Yep. So another great thing to keep um, stocked is dry milk. You obviously can make milk out of it, but it's also a great, (laughs) (laughs) obviously, um, but it's also great to be, you can use it in cooking and in baking. And another one that you can do in addition to just regular dry milk is a dry buttermilk. Uh, that's another great thing to kind of keep on hand. Why don't you tell us, Rebecca, why it would be helpful to have some dry buttermilk? You bet. Isn't that a leavener? Is that right? Um, it is not, but it provides acidity, which helps react with um, non-yeast leaveners. So baking soda, baking powder uh, requires some acidity present to react. So dried buttermilk can provide that for you. Science. So also, I... Absolutely keep dry milk on hand because it's also a nice ingredient in baked goods. It helps provide a tender crumb to certain breads. However, I've also become a fan of the shelf-stable milk world. I grew up on that stuff. Did you know that? Yeah, Trader Joe's. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. But Trader Joe's sells shelf-stable heavy cream. Oh, Really? And I had, yeah, they're these tiny little, they look like little juice boxes of heavy cream that are fantastic. It makes my world happy because I did not have a plan in mind when I purchased them, which is not how I usually recommend people grocery shop. But I saw them and I thought, those are adorable. I need to buy them. So I bought four or five of them because when when I go in, I go all in and brought them home and put them on the shelf. And then over Christmas, when we all got COVID and I couldn't go out to get ingredients that I would have liked to use for my Christmas baking, I remembered I had those. That was handy. And so, yeah, I was still able to make 
the caramel and some of the, I make a little brownie that you push the center in on and pour ganache into it. That's a Christmas tradition for us. So I was still able to make things that I wanted to have because I had those on the shelf. So I do recommend the shelf-stable milk and shelf-stable heavy cream as well. I love that stuff. It reminds me of my childhood. The leche de cajita is what we would call it. My mom would be like, you know, make sure you go to the store, get some leche de cajita. But it works, right? Yes, I love it. It has, it, it has, obviously, it does not taste like fresh milk. It has a very different taste to it. I almost find it to be sweeter because it, it's almost like yes. more concentrated. It's yep. great cereal milk. That's how I liked it. I liked it in my cereal and I liked it in my coffee. Well, it does. I mean, again, little science interlude. When you pasteurize milk and you cook it as your preserving it, so to speak, in this packaging, you are developing some of the sugars in it. So you're not losing your mind. It is actually sweeter to the palate than a glass of, you know, whole milk out of the fridge. Not crazy. (laughs) No, not about that anyway. But speaking of sweet. Let's talk about sweeteners. What what sweeteners do you recommend people have on hand? Um, Honey is a great one to have because it is very shelf stable. It's natural and it's delicious and it's very versatile. So I agree because it's not just, you know, you can drizzle it over things. You can use it to sweeten things. um, You can use it in sauces. It has a different flavor to it and it can last a really long time. It can. And I think also on the list, we should have brown sugar and white sugar. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, and also you don't have to, but if you want to, because let's be honest, things are really crazy or you're sick. These special treats, they, they make you feel better. And so if you, they do, you know what I mean? So like powdered sugar, I think is a great thing to have too, because if you happen to, something happens and you need to bake a cake and make someone feel better or ice a cookie, (laughs) you need some powdered sugar. And I even, I remember specifically when Oba and I were kind of making our pantry and I walked down, I walked down the aisle with this giant bag of chocolate chips and he's like, is that, (laughs) he goes, is that really necessary? I'm like, look, if you feel really bad or we're trapped somewhere, a chocolate chip cookie will make you feel better. Yeah. So basically, folks, what we're saying is you want to be stuck somewhere with us because we're stocking up on the powdered sugar and the chocolate chips and you know, we're going to bake you a cake. (laughs) You know, things, you know, you have, you're stuck at home. You, your entire family has COVID. You can't go anywhere or a pandemic breaks out and you're stuck in quarantine. Could happen. It's possible. It's been known known to happen. So (laughs) it has happened recently. Right. So, you know, if you're talking about it can. And you know what else can make you feel better? Homemade marshmallows. I made a ton of those well, I'm not over gonna, this past year. I don't care that much about people's happiness. That's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you decide to delve into homemade marshmallow making, in addition to the powdered sugar, you're going to need corn syrup, unflavored gelatin, and vanilla extract. Three things you should probably have on hand anyway. Well, yes, because corn syrup can, of course, be used for other things, pie baking. Um, it can replace, you know, if you do run out of sugar, you still have the corn syrup. Is it like the healthiest thing? No, but who cares? 
<laughs> Nobody. Nobody right Especially now. not me. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, along with sweetness, you want your food to taste good. Uh, yes. You want it to be interesting. Food is a comfort. So herbs and spices are also a great thing to have. Actually, I would say indispensable. It's kind of a must and it's not expensive and it's a great way to put some complexity into your food so you don't get palate fatigue eating the same thing. Right. And and the best way to determine which ones you need to stock up on is to go through your recipes that you make regularly and kind of make a a, here's here's the word again, make a list (laughs) of the ones that appear in your recipes so that you make sure that it's always stocked. Add them to your list. And also, don't forget the black pepper and don't let Miss Sadie tell you differently. I mean, if you really like pepper, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, I like to buy them and I do buy my herbs and spices um, in bulk. And so do I. I buy those big containers that you can get at Sam's Club. And then I have smaller bottles in my main pantry downstairs. And so I will usually buy a few of them. And so I'll use one of them to kind of keep refilling that bottle. And then as I finish that bottle, I will move on to the other one, but make sure that I replenish um, my stock. Right. So, and along with that, you know, seasoning packets or seasoning blends are a great one to have too. I know you'll have Montreal right? Oh, you know I will because I love that black pepper. <laughs> I actually really like Montreal But along seasoning. with that, do you really? Why did, Now that surprises me because I know your feelings on black pepper. It's, but the thing with black pepper, this is, this is going to be like a whole side conversation, but it's, you know, I don't mind a little bit of pepper on some things. And then the Montreal, I just really like it for a hamburger or, you know what I mean? Okay. And it's like for that specific purpose, but I don't necessarily want like black pepper in my, I don't know, like salt and pepper kind of becomes like this default seasoning. And then you go and you make like this really beautiful, I don't know, creamy pasta dish and someone puts black pepper on it. So it looks like there's like ants on top of it, like stuff (laughs) like that. That's why it bothers me. Um, But I love it on a burger. Fair enough. You know, anyways, sidetrack. So- Speaking speaking of seasoning things and making them taste better, I think this would be a good place to include bouillon or canned or cartons of broth, like canned broth or cartons of broth, mm-hmm. because that can be used to flavor anything, Yes, basically. Yeah. We have the little bouillon cubes. Also, of course, in my home, we keep um, some packets of sasong and uh, our favorite adobo seasoning. Right. It would literally, it would be pretty much the end of the world if I didn't have those two things. <laughs> so I, in, in that category for me is vinegar. Now I keep a ridiculous number of types of vinegars, but you don't need to be a vinegar hoarder like I am. You can get away with either apple cider vinegar and or white vinegar for cooking. And then maybe something a little more flavorful, like a balsamic vinegar or a sherry vinegar for salads or drizzling on food to finish it. Yeah, we just keep some large gallons of white vinegar and uh, balsamic vinegar. I love balsamic vinegar. So do I. I could almost drink it. Speaking of acidic things that are tasty, I keep a little bottle of shelf-stable lemon juice. And it's not a substitute for fresh lemons, but it's handy (laughs) to have available. (laughs) 
I'm, and in a pinch, yeah, in you a can pinch, use that and do. milk to make ricotta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then a, a few other things just to go through um, our dry pantry real quick. Ketchup and mustard are great to have. Canned fruit is great. A lot of people, I mean, not only can you just eat canned fruit straight, but it's great for making pies. You can use it in all kinds of desserts. Um, and you can even use it in some savory dishes, depending on what kind of fruit it is. Yes. Like mandarins are great to use in salads, uh, canned uh, cocktail, like fruit cocktail. Have you ever done it like baked with chicken? I know that sounds very 1950s. No. I, have, I did it like ages ago. And I know it sounds like some really weird, like one of those like nightmare 1950s spec type dishes. <laughs> But right, the ones the ones that have the accompanying photo and you're looking at it and thinking, which art director okayed that? <laughs> yes. So I know that, but it's actually really good. I need I can't even remember. It's been so long since I made it. But you know Now I'm it, gonna have to try to make that. It totally works. So you can um and then even apples, you know, uh, if you yes. canned apples, as long as they're not in a syrup already, you can use canned apples um, and bake them with pork and onions. Um, and then you can use those same apples and make an apple pie. So that's one of the nice things about the versatility of some canned fruit. Along with the ketchup and mustard, you might want to consider um, some mayonnaise. Yeah, backup jar of mayonnaise, baby. Yeah. You don't want to run out of mayonnaise. I mean, it's, and you got to make a potato salad. You want some mayonnaise. <laughs> It actually, and also remember when we talked um, on a previous episode, it makes a killer grilled cheese sandwich. It sure does. So mayonnaise is And what's more comforting than a grilled cheese sandwich? Well, here, look, you got, if you have bread, you can make yourself a grilled cheese sandwich. And because you got all those tomatoes, you can make yourself some tomato soup. Bam. There you go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) See, who's looking out for you? We are. We got you covered. And speaking speaking of sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly, man. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have a jar of both of those. I mean, that that should be a no-brainer, right? I think it's required in the American pantry to have some sort of nut butter or seed butter and jelly or jam. Now, in our house, it's peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter. And then, oh my gosh, before I forget, there, uh, oil. Uh, yeah, that one's absolutely <laughs> obligatory. <laughs> this is, oil is crucial in my kitchen. I, I don't even... You know what? I cannot even tell you how many times a day I reach for oil to put in a frying pan or add to an an ingredient list for a recipe. I I honestly I know I use it every day. The question is how many times a day I use it. Yeah, I mean, I reach for a, a oil, usually olive oil on the regular. Um I think for this pantry, you know, like purpose, I would probably want to have stocked a higher, you know, of course you can have olive oil or your preferred, um, you know, coconut oil does pretty well or something like that. But you do need to keep an oil that has a high smoke point. Yes. And so we're, in that case, you're talking vegetable, canola, peanut oil, or sunflower oil. Because those are... Yeah. And to to be specific, we're talking about a refined oil there because that's going to have a much higher smoke point, which is going to make it more versatile for your purposes and more helpful in the situation we're talking about right now. Because if you have oil, you can make fried potatoes. <laughs> and fried potatoes are extremely comforting, which leads me 
to telling you that you should have some storage potatoes. Now, please tell me a little bit because we do not keep potatoes. Because I've had, I don't know, I've always stayed away from it. I don't have a basement. I don't have, I've I've found on a few occasions a forgotten nasty potato in my pantry. Uh-huh. So what is your strategy to store potatoes? Okay, you a basement is handy, but it's not absolutely necessary. There are a couple of keys to storing potatoes successfully, and one of them is to never, ever store uncooked potatoes in the refrigerator. That I did that know. Is, I, like, I knew that one. You might as well just put them directly into the garbage if you're going to do that, because the, the cold starts converting the starch in the potato into sugar and makes your potato taste weirdly sweet. Not a good kind of sweet, but like icky. And it also messes with the texture. So optimally, you would store your potatoes at a temperature that's cooler than room temperature, but warmer than a refrigerator. If you have a cellar or a pantry or a basement that's somewhere between 50 and 60 degrees, that's ideal. And you don't want to store them in an airtight container either. So you would take them out of a plastic bag unless it has ventilation holes. A paper bag is a good place to put them. You also want to keep them out of direct light. So the light is going to make them sprout, which is also going to be unpleasant. You can get around this if you have if you have a house that's flooded with gorgeous natural light and you're trying to store potatoes, put them in a paper bag. That's going to it's going to give you a little bit of extra time and at worst, you've got a couple of weeks at best if you have you know, the optimum conditions for potato storage, you could get a couple of months out of them. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, would you, is there a potato that does better for longer period of time? Like, I feel like sweet potatoes last forever versus like a russet potato. Right. Sweet potatoes are pretty good for storage. Um, Red potatoes tend to store better than white potatoes or gold potatoes. But if you store them correctly, you can still get up to a couple of months out of any of those. And russets actually are pretty good storage potatoes if you keep them out of the light and out of an airtight container and out of the refrigerator. (laughs) And no, I'm kidding. I'm making it sound complicated. And then then, then you put them in a string bag and hang them up in a shed that you built specially for the purpose. No, it's not that difficult. (laughs) It's just don't refrigerate it. Keep it out of the light. Try to keep it at a steady temperature. Speaking of potatoes, it makes me think of potato chips and other salty snacks that you would want to keep on hand. Uh, we did it. Yeah, whole we did an episode entire episode <laughs> on salty snacks. So we're not going to talk your ear off about the salty snacks because we did that an episode past for about 45 minutes. So yes. um, in this occasion, just think about the salty snacks that your family loves. Popcorn chips, in my case, baked Cheetos, whatever your heart's desire. In my case, Fritos. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as long as keep them on hand, <laughs> shelf stable, keep it on hand. Because again, like the cookie, a snacky, salty snack is comforting. So it sure is, at least to me. And so let's let's move on then from our pantry list to our freezer list. The freezer list, it's not really long. It just requires maybe a little bit of explanation of why we would keep these particular things 
in our freezer. Yes. And I'd like to start with butter. Well, one of the great things about <laughs> butter is um, who doesn't love butter, first of all? And like, this is all about versatility here. And butter is another thing that is great to have on hand. And it's still something that you're going to use. So you can cycle through it, but freezing it will make it, of course, last longer. But it can also sit That's out on right. the counter for, you know, I don't know, I keep mine out. I think mine doesn't turn, start to turn blue <laughs> for probably like two weeks, something like that, as long as it's in a good dish. Yeah, I don't think butter has ever had the opportunity to make it past a couple of days on my kitchen counter. But it, it, it does have pretty decent holding power, even at room temperature, as long as your room temperature isn't, you know, the temperature of the sun, yeah. you should be fine. Another another handy thing, um, maybe slightly less versatile than butter, but also useful in our household, I keep one pound packages of ground beef. And I, I know you're probably saying to yourself, one pound, Rebecca? I know. I mean, granted, you probably have to use four packages of that one pound ground beef, but you're not waiting right. like four hours for an entire block of four pounds of beef to defrost versus a bunch of one pound packages. Right. Not only keeps you from having to thaw more than what you're going to need for whatever you're making, it also makes it quicker to thaw whatever you're going to need for whatever you're making. <laughs> exactly. And then you can also, and of course, this is the assumption because another thing that you can keep on hand is chicken and yeah. ground pork. And all of these, you want to keep them in small packages so you can easily and quickly defrost them. However, let me give you a little tip here. <laughs> if you were to find yourself in a situation where you had no power and you don't have a generator to keep your refrigerator going, a good thing to keep in your pantry are items like canned chicken breast, canned salmon, tuna, sardines are another great you know meat product to keep, um, even canned like corned beef. I grew up eating yes. it. I don't like it, but <laughs> this is an emergency situation. <laughs> so, right. Canned corned well, I'm, beef. I'm leaving the canned corned beef. <laughs> I'm leaving that one off of my list. My mom I gotta be used honest. to make it but, all the time when I was growing up, and I will still eat it, of course. It was like canned corned beef um, stewed in like a tomato sauce with a little bit of potatoes. Okay. And then you would serve it with either rice or boiled uh, vianda, which is uh, different types or varieties of root vegetables. It is okay. good, but it just wasn't my favorite. I think we have a slight departure of on the point of affection for types of canned meats, but I do keep a lot of canned tuna handy. And I I think it's a no-brainer to say that we should have a variety of frozen vegetables and a variety of frozen fruits, right? Yeah. I uh, always keep them on hand because you can throw the frozen vegetables into a stir fry or you can put them into some soup. And then, of course, the frozen fruit can be used in things like desserts, smoothies. Um, now, sidebar, I would point out, Miss Sadie, that you can actually use a couple of frozen vegetables in smoothies with pretty decent effects, too. Like frozen spinach can go into a smoothie. I mean, sure, if you want to, you could put frozen spinach in smoothies, but 
Yeah, it's you it's kind of. I know, I know. Why would I? Right? <laughs> well, because I like it. But I do. I want to share just before we move on, because I said our freezer list is really short. I want to share two of my favorite freezer tips, and one of them is to keep raw ginger root wrapped in plastic in a freezer bag in the freezer, because you can yes. you can grate it directly out of the freezer without peeling it, and it's it's actually easier than dealing with fresh, raw, room temperature ginger. All this, that stringiness doesn't um, fight with you as much. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And you, you don't, you don't even have to peel it. So just use a microplane or the smallest rasp on a box grater. And that's, that's my number one freezer tip. But the other thing is eggs. And I'm going to ask you to bear with me for a minute. You're not just plunking eggs in their shells in the freezer. You can't do that. You have to remove them from the shells. And you have a couple of options if you want to keep some eggs, you know, emergency eggs in the freezer, so to speak. You can either take the eggs and lightly beat them and freeze them in the wells of ice cube trays. And one well is roughly equivalent to one large egg. And that would be good for scrambled eggs, frittatas, quiches, or in baking. Mm. Or... So no sunny side you can of get, egg, huh? <laughs> well, okay, kind of, sort of. You do have another option, though, and it requires a little bit more babying of these eggs. But if you want to use whites and yolks separately, you can take the whites and put them directly into the ice cube trays. And I would say, you know, put one egg white in each ice cube tray well. And yolks are the ones that need a little more TLC before freezing it, because if you freeze whole yolks, they can become weirdly thick and pasty. Yeah. So to mitigate this, you beat each egg yolk with a tiny pinch of salt and then put that into the ice cube tray well. And that will help you to preserve the texture, that, you know, that beautiful texture of egg yolk, even after it's been frozen. So you could use it then in things like custards or puddings or things where you need, like where you were making a mayonnaise perhaps or another type of emulsion where you needed the egg yolk separate from the white, this would be the way to do that. And if if all you're going to do is make frittatas and scrambles, don't bother with that extra work. Just beat the eggs and you don't have to beat them senseless. You just (laughs) lightly beat them and put them into the ice trays or ice cube trays. And then when it's frozen solid, you pop them out and put them into a labeled bag back in the freezer. And they're good for a year. Oh, that's actually really, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work. But if you just take a little bit, like maybe an hour, I'm talking about the other ones separating. I mean, beating a few eggs, right, and right. putting it into a well, that's that's not, like five minutes. Yeah, that's super easy. <laughs> the process of, you know, separating the eggs and freezing, freezing and freezing things separately is a little bit more work. I would really have to think if I wanted to do that much, but it may be worth it to make some good custard or something like that. You know what I mean? Or a flong or something. Maybe if you just did a dozen eggs that way. Yeah, just to so have that them you on knew hand. you had them. Yeah, you knew you had them there in case of emergency. If you couldn't get out to the store, you just thaw them in a dish. So you'd take as many cubes out as you wanted and thaw them in a dish um, in the fridge overnight and you're good to go. So it's it's pretty handy. But that's that's it for the freezer section. I think we would be remiss, though, 
if we didn't do a quick beverage list? Oh, for sure. Like, I need some coffee. <laughs> yeah, you are, you and my husband both, it, it could get, it could get very, very uncomfortable for my husband in less than 24 hours if he, if he did have not coffee. have coffee on hand. Yeah. yeah. So we keep those Starbucks via instant coffee. Packs. Yes, my husband keeps those too. Yeah, we keep those. And we also keep them not only in case of, you know, an emergency or whatever, but they're also great if you are a backpacker or hiker. That is usually what we use when we do our backpacking trips. And of course, you know, if you're on the run and you don't want to have to deal with making an entire pot of coffee, you can just make one of these instant coffee. And it's literally the only instant coffee I will have. Like any other brand yeah. is just like, no. You can also heat up a little water on a camp stove outside and we're going to be heating up water anyway in our house if the power goes out because I'm a tea drinker. So I would suggest that whatever your normal everyday tea is, if you are a tea drinker like me, that you have an extra box or bag of that handy. And it's good to keep maybe a little herbal tea on hand too if you're feeling under the weather. Yeah, because it's very, it can also be very medicinal. So I like to keep a few, especially like a sore throat soothing one on hand um, yeah. and a sleepy one on hand or maybe like a breakfast blend or something like that. Um, and also yeah. I was going to mention with the coffee is another one that I like to keep on hand is if I don't have the instant ones, we do stock up on coffee beans and grind our yes. own coffee because beans will keep longer um, and keep fresher than if you were to buy already ground coffee. So I think that's pretty much our whole list, right? It is. The The only thing I wanted to add at the very end here is to tell you, you don't have to go out and buy a million and a half items oh, for every category. No, yeah, absolutely not. You I, don't have to go this out is why, and drop like 500 bucks on something right. or... Right. Just add a thing or two every time you go to the grocery store and just add it regularly. Cycle through these things. Using the spaghetti dinner example we had earlier, if you know that you eat spaghetti weekly and you know that you use one box of spaghetti when you use it and you have two boxes currently sitting on your shelf, add a box to your grocery list for the week. That way you've never completely depleted your stock of the staples that you use on a regular basis. Yep. I actually keep, um, or I try to, so I haven't been very diligent with it, but I like to keep a spreadsheet of where I inventory what we have and the expiration date of the item and a rough guesstimate of how long it would take us to get through that particular item. Um, so for example, if I have item A and like it'll take us three months to get through it, I might start using that product, you know, about four months out. So I actually use a product. It doesn't go to waste and then replenish it. And I would like to just say I told you so because <laughs> I told everybody about her lists and her spreadsheets and she just 100% verified what I said earlier. And now I don't sound like a lunatic, but she might. <laughs> it's some things I kind of keep it together and some things I don't. It's like, it's like my husband doesn't understand why I am so OCD about stuff not being on the dining room table, but my car is totally trashed. <laughs> 
Well, I think that's everything that we have for today's episode. Uh, I do want to mention you still have a little bit of time to get your questions in for our question and answer episode. I know we've been kind of teasing it for a while. We are pulling it together. We have gotten some great questions. So I'm really excited. We just keep kind of shoving it to the back burner because we have these things we want to go over with you, but it's there and it's happening. Yeah, definitely happening. We're not, we're not pulling your leg. Um, but <laughs> if you do have any questions, make sure you send them to, to my plate is always full at gmail.com or reach out to us, drop us a DM on Instagram or a message through Facebook. You can find me, Mercedes, at thenoshery.com. And you can find me, Rebecca, at foodiewithfamily.com. And of course, you can find us and the show notes to the episode at myplateisalwaysfull.com. Please like, share, download, listen to all of our episodes. You can find us on all the major podcasting apps, like all of them. Thanks for hanging out with us this week and make sure you join us next week for another episode of My Plate is Always Full. Until next time, stay hungry, friends. Join us next week for another helping of My Plate is Always Full. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe through your favorite podcasting platform, leave a review, and share it with your friends to spread the love. A hypothetical situation to you right off the bat. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Hank, yeah. says, Hank says, I'm in. <laughs> la, 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 la. Did you say you had to pick a wedge? I did. I got a wedgie. Hold on. <laughs> Shelf, you don't have to. It's dark. You can't find a can opener. I don't know why I'm mentioning that. Why I'm mentioning that. Okay. So, well, hold on. Let me start that over again. Like I just started rambling. You just went. You things. just went full on bunker prepper mode with that one. <laughs> Hello. This is what lubricates the. No, we're not going to say that. This is oil is so Lube. crucial to probably. <laughs> It loops your pans. Uh, no, let's try this again. I thought you said pants. I thought you said pants. <laughs>